0: show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Natalie Dignam. Today I'm in the studio with Jessica McDonald, a textile artist and researcher based in St. John's, Newfoundland. Jessica creates her own textile art, teaches, and researches weaving and craft in Atlantic Canada. She wears many hats and is currently creating a piece for the Arts and Culture Center in St. John's while also working on a grant for the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council, also known as SHRC and preparing to teach with the Hand Weavers Guild of America in Knoxville, Tennessee this summer. Welcome to the show, Jessica.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Uh,
0: So the first thing I thought we could talk about is your background as a textile artist and um,
1: yeah, how you got to where you are today as like a maker and a researcher. Okay, uh, it's a bit of a uh, long-winded adventure, but uh, uh, I think it you know, it all started when I was young. I was I was always surrounded by uh makers in the home, predominantly women. Um, but I helped my pop around the house a lot too, and there's just this idea of always wanting to make stuff and I think when I was eight I made like my first Halloween like treat bag. It was horrendous, but you know, I loved it. And then from there, um, and any time I went to, to school in like junior high and high school, I was more drawn to like the home economics like the uh, the photography the <clears throat> anything to do creatively and then um when i uh, left high school i went to old college and studied uh, apparel technology and costuming which was uh wonderful um and then uh after leaving there i i kind of felt like i uh was missing a part of uh, my East Coast heritage, I didn't know much about. I lived in Alberta at the time. And uh, came back here and uh, took the textiles program uh, through CNA uh, down at the Anna Tublin Center where it's housed. And uh, that's where I learned how to to weave and to dye and to embroider. Um, and then from there, I went to the Vitty Plantation uh, for a few years. And then uh, just kind of took off from there because I started researching other programs, things I could be doing, uh, other, I don't know, techniques I could be learning, and then it just didn't stop. So, uh, I ended up going to NASCAD, which was phenomenal, and, uh, again, I just, I, I just, there's more to do, you know, but all, all of these things encompassing together is, uh, from my childhood was what inspired me, so.
0: So NASCAD, for people who don't know, is a, it's a program in Nova Scotia.
1: Yeah, it's the, it's the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. It's uh, in Halifax, um, downtown. And, uh, yeah, it's one of the only art schools, uh, in the Atlantic Canada at a university level. So it's phenomenal.
0: Cool. And now you're back in Newfoundland doing a million things. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I get this all the time. <laughs>
0: uh, can you talk a little bit about what you're working on right now?
1: okay um so i recently um applied uh well i guess a year ago now was the shirk application which is the social studies and humanities research council of canada um and i that was um something that um was encouraged to me by my mentor who passed away uh, about a year ago and uh she was she she saw that i was passionate like that i have uh I just can't stop researching and looking into this stuff. Um, and so that was where, uh, that, you know, that push to do it came. And ever since I've been back, I'm kind of thinking about how, how I can think about that more weaving and community and elected Canada and what it means and, you know, social history and, uh, just making and how, you know, how how we use it, why we do it, um, how it's been passed down from generations. So these are things that I'm constantly thinking about. Um, And so, excuse me, so right now I'm doing a piece uh, for an exhibition, uh, Newfoundland Through Window, which is going to be happening at the Arts and Culture Center next month. And um, just kind of focusing at the concept is is kind of around... um, you know, looking through Newfoundland window and Outport community and kind of how it changes and how those memories that are in these places, which are now closing, are, are kind of going to be gone, but holding on to them for right now because it's kind of like we're in a linger with some of these places. They're not quite closed yet, but it's, you know, you're kind of accepting that it's going to happen. Uh, so that's one piece that I'm working on. And I just put in a proposal to the... Um, for a grant that uh, a project that I'm really excited about, which is uh, building a woven community, and so um, as someone who uh, can't sit still, um, I'm I live here, but I'm I'm constantly leaving the province. I'm constantly um, going and, and training and learning and uh, doing residencies um, in different places, lots of international residencies, and and I I feel like I've established this international community i feel like i've uh met wonderful people and i've constantly been moving but i i haven't really done it here and there is a history of weaving here on the island and it's it's very much about self-sustainability and uh supporting one another and and uh getting through tough times and you know and and it's it's great and i'm trying to figure out a way to kind of uh connect with my community again through the art and craft of weaving. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an installation project. I don't know where it'll be yet, <laughs> but uh, it's the idea of kind of building a woven home together and engaging with other community members.
0: This is something when you described it, I was like, I if you probably have cuz you've lived in Halifax gone to their library there yes. and i was like i could see this is yeah. an installation like in the library yeah
1: it would be great i anything that kind of would provide a space for people to come together i think would mm-hmm. be phenomenal so but it it's something that i just you know i just i just applied for the grant and i'm kind of constructing how it's going to be laid out but yeah
0: so, you've done some research too on kind of like the generational, uh, gap in weaving and craft. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk a little bit about like what you found in that and kind of how people, you kind of found that people like think of themselves really differently now as craftspeople versus, uh, in the past?
1: Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, just to provide some context. So, When I did my program at NASCAD, um, uh, Dr. Sandra Affeldey, who passed away, she was a craft historian here in Canada, and uh, I took her class in uh, primary research techniques, and we got to pick a theme or a a thing that we wanted to research, and so I was looking at it from personal perspective of, you know, I go and do all these things and I find uh, more often than not I'm the youngest person there, or I get comments like, you know I'm 40 years older than you like what do you do in here kind of thing and and even when I teach uh weaving uh so I think sometimes people are surprised to see that I'm someone in my 20s you know weaving um and so all of that was kind of what proposed me to be like is there a generational gap is there is there a gap and and why uh because you know, I'm looking at, there's obviously an age gap, uh, the Hen Weavers Guild of America, um, conference in Nevada that I interned in, uh, two years ago, they were acknowledging that they were an aging society. Um, and so I started doing this research and, uh, it was so interesting because I, I, interviewed a few ladies, I believe in Torbay, um, and, or St. Phillips and, uh, um, I think through like the women's institute i can't quite remember now uh but when i asked them um you know how would they describe themselves or how would they would they call themselves artists or craftspeople or whatnot it, it's like it didn't or, or what what kind of crafts did they do it didn't really translate it was like well what do you mean craft like what do you you know, they, they couldn't quite understand because to them making and creating, uh, was a way of supporting your community and giving back and and helping that way. And so, but if you look at now, when I interview people, uh, you know, um, in their twenties, starting in, in university or even their thirties, um, they call themselves artists. They call themselves, uh, craftspeople and professionals. And then, um, I talked to some uh, people in their late 60s, late 70s, and, oh, I'm I'm just a hobbyist. You know, they don't put themselves at that level. It's just really interesting to see how people um, identify themselves, you know, through the different gaps or, sorry, to the different generations. How did you learn how to weave? Um, I learned to weave at the textiles program at CNA. Uh, which is housed down at the Annette Center. Um, and that is where I took the, like, the, my weaving classes there. And, uh, um, I have to admit, I hated weaving.
0: Which is <laughs> <laughs> not what I expected you n- to say. No, <laughs> I hated
1: it so much. And I, <laughs> and I tell my students all the time, when they get frustrated, I was like, I gave up on this, like, you know, before it even happened. I just thought, why will, Why do people want to do this? Why do people want to spend all their time setting up a loom? This is not satisfying. I don't understand. <laughs> and then something clicked. You know, I think I had made something. And I, I at the time, I was just weaving and um, using up yarns that I had had. And uh, uh, I made this piece. And I didn't think anything of it until someone was like, sure, you can make that into, like, a bag. Or you can use that for anything. And I'm like, oh, right, because I made fabric. <laughs> like, <laughs> duh. (laughs) And then it kind of went from there. I was like, oh, I can do so many things. And that's, and I started researching techniques. And I'm like, and and even now today, there's things that I come across. I'm like, I had no idea. And so kind of just like open this window because I I, kind of let my brain open a bit and my mind open to, and then um, be like, oh, there's so many things you can do. You know, it can be functional. It can be artistic. It can be expressive. You know, there's so many things, but yeah, I I hated it. That's hilarious.
0: (laughs) Um, So a lot of, I'm just wondering, kind of like the older people that you interviewed in Newfoundland, like weaving, I guess, unlike knitting, kind of requires a little more uh, equipment. Yes. (laughs) And we'll talk about your your loom in a minute, or the looms you're trying to create. But uh, did people uh, have to kind of make their own looms and like learn how to weave at home and stuff? And is that a big difference for people now learning to weave kind of go through these these programs where they're learning in a more, I guess, professional or mm-hmm. organized or... Y- yeah.
1: yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, actually, I mean, there's a beautiful history of sustainability here in the province with uh, organizations uh, like the Women's Institute, uh, the Jubilee Guild, and uh, also NONIA, um, which is a store down on Water Street. Um, so... Uh, yes people used to make their own looms and and i know that you know it's not as easily accessible uh it's a big chunk of equipment but there were these people that worked for the jubilee guilds as uh, field workers and anna templeton was one of those people uh and she would travel to outport communities um along with a few other women and they would uh predominantly teach the men how to build looms and women how to weave and i mean at the time you know you think about the 30s 40s 50s people uh were going through a lot of hard times they didn't have time to listen you know and do these things but once it was like this is going to help you this is going to be for st- sustainability reasons and uh to help keep yourself clothed and your and your children. Um, It really took off, Um, and so um, looms were being built all over, um, you know, the the province, and they were all handmade. and uh, And so, I think in Pools Cove, um, there was, I think, in by nineteen forty something, I can't remember now. There was seventeen looms that were hand built. For the community um, and so and also to think you know Anna Templeton in a little boat traveling to these places with materials to build looms I'm like well she can do it in a boat <laughs> we can do it now <laughs> um, and so yeah there it is a thing and then um, also now uh, I guess in present day um, it's interesting because weaving is is almost taking off in like this DIY Pinterest kind of sense, uh, which is good, but it, 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 the thing that kind of I'm not in love with is that, you know, one hour projects, quick projects, there's like a lack of appreciation, and they use these small looms, uh, which is fine. But I think with the bigger looms uh, and and kind of having or smaller looms that are um, that take a little bit more work, I think you're you're putting more time into it and you appreciate it more. Um, but yeah, definitely today, you know, there's there's looms being uh, bought, you know, from different manufacturers uh, like Leclerc, which is in um, in uh, Quebec, which is a uh, loom. Uh, supplier. And then there's many there's many other places in the states uh, that you could order from. But uh but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Okay. I like oh do a lot of these looms that were built during this time period. You're talking about like the 20s, 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. are they? Do they still exist in Newfoundland?
1: I that's a great question. So this is stuff that I want to like look find, explore. Where are the looms? Where are the looms? <laughs> Where are the weavers? <laughs> um, I asked my teacher, when I, uh, Katie Parton, when I was doing the Texas program, like, how, how much is a loom? Where can you find a loom? And she said, you can get them uh, anywhere from free to, like... $10,000. And I was like, what are you talking about? Free? And she said people have looms in their houses that, you know, they they don't even know what they are. Um, there's a lot of people, again, like, they see chunks of wood, and they use it for firewood. And, uh, you know, you just... And and so I don't know where they are. <laughs> but it's fascinating, because there was, like, I think um, uh, when I was reading... Uh, threads of gold by agnes richard it's uh one of her, like her thesis uh and uh she had said there was like the cannon wood hall here in st john's they used to have like a training center for the field workers for who used to go out and there was looms there and and uh i'm not sure i don't know if the cna has adopted them into their textiles program but uh the handmade looms i, I they might be gone (laughs) we don't know yeah that's so interesting
0: um so this kind of naturally leads to our next my next question which is you are trying to build a loom yeah with your pop
1: (laughs) oh my gosh uh yeah like my grandfather uh i cannot sit still and neither can he i think he's retired for like the fourth time now (laughs) um (laughs) i think that's gonna be my future (laughs) um yeah, he, he can do anything with his hands he can make. Um, so, yeah, building of looms. So in my travels of going to all these places and um, and, and when I was in Halifax, I was part of the uh, – I was the secretary for the Atlantic Spinners and Hand Weavers Guild there. And uh, I I would just make observations. Like there's a guild here. They offer services, a library, but they also offer uh, loom – like loom – rental equipment so you can uh, as a guild member uh rent a loom for you know x amount of dollars and it was so inexpensive and then you know when i was um going to these classes that i do with the handweavers guild of america they're they're always borrowing these looms from from other guilds or other weaving centers and at more affordable prices <coughs> excuse me and like I said, looms can cost anywhere from free to five, ten thousand dollars, depending when you get them, um, or where you get them. Sorry, uh, it's just not accessible. It's not like you can pick up a knitting pair of knitting needles and wool, and kind of you go to a class for for you know maybe thirty dollars you know, in, in materials, but looms can be pricey. And, and if you're gonna, if I want other people to learn this skill and, uh, have it accessible to people, you know, you need to make it in as, as accessible as possible, you know? And so, um, <laughs> me and my pop, papa, he, uh, he was funny. He saw me weaving on an ankle loom, which is this thin, long loom. And I was making some bands and you kind of just, I have a photo. <laughs> he just kind of looked at me and was like, Sure, I can make that. I was like, okay, and then literally a week later, he showed up with it. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So you know, maybe, and then so I'm kind of thinking if we can, you know, build some looms and then more hand, like more transportable looms um, that people can maybe rent or borrow. Um, I think that would be great. It'll get people interested, at least try it out, and I think then. You know there's an appreciation that's being made for this craft because people are understanding you know a lot of work goes into this and this is this is very creative and very technical uh but also like amazing and so um I mean I am buying looms as well I don't know how to not get looms
0: <laughs> a bit of a you're not, not gonna cut off your supply of looms no now. no well
1: <laughs> actually so I would have posted one on uh Facebook marketplace the other day and I was like oh I'm interested and a friend of mine a past student was like don't you already have enough looms?" Oh, my God. I was like no <laughs> they're kind of like you know people collect like coins and stuff it's becoming a problem <laughs> But yeah, so I'm, yeah, I yeah I I teach privately uh, in my own studio, which is on on Water Street, mm-hmm. and so um, I you know I kind of just pull some out or you know there's different kinds of looms, and I think it's just I think having a library of looms would be wonderful.
0: So uh, if people are interested in learning how to weave, mm-hmm. uh, what are some recommendations you have? Um,
1: well for in st john's or yeah or, or just in, in general um well i think right now it's it's kind of difficult um there isn't really a designated community weaving scent like studio space so the anna Templeton center has some looms um but the where cna houses the textile like where they're housed there. Um, You know, the looms are being used by the students. And so, um, you know, I think that's something that, you know, in the future could be figured out. But, uh, you know, um, but right now uh, a lot of my students or people who reach out to me and ask, where can I learn how to weave? Where can I do these things? Um, You can make a loom out of everything, anything you want, a frame, a a picture frame. um, You can buy... uh, like, the kids like uh, looms from Ikea for, like, $20. bucks. <laughs> they are you know, and, and uh, start from there. And there's so many online resources now, mm-hmm. which is so great. Um, and so there's um, uh, Hello Hydrangea, which is a wonderful uh, a lady. Um, she has this... Instagram page and she posts uh monthly weaving tips, techniques, tricks, all of that. And then uh and how to like DIY I don't want to say DIY, uh, how to's. And then, um, there's also the Jane Stafford Weaving Guild, which is actually, I believe, based in, uh, BC, uh, a Canadian company. And she has so many videos online. And you, you know, you just pay your guild membership and then you have access to all these things. And, um, I mean, there's, there's so many online resources. But uh, it would be nice to have some a little bit more local resources, for sure. Yeah, especially for, for the equipment.
0: So you're yeah. also going to be teaching this summer down in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, can you talk
1: a little bit about that? <clears throat> sure, yeah. Um, so the Handweavers Guild of America, um, they are based uh, in the States. Um, but, uh, excuse me, they, uh, they do a biennial conference every two years. And I... Uh, a few years ago when I was looking into other training, uh, one of my teachers uh, at the textiles program, Susan Furneaux, uh, suggested, like, oh, I think there's classes happening here. You should check it out. And it just went down a road. I just I couldn't stop. So I went to Milwaukee, took the classes. Uh, two years later, I went to Nevada and interned there and got to kind of be a part of, you know, helping the instructors and, and seeing that interaction between people and seeing how many people are obsessed with weaving, which I'm all about. <laughs> um, and uh, and and then uh, after I interned there, you know, they are like, you know, you should come back and teach or, or apply. So I was like, okay, sure, I'll put an application in and so I put that in gosh like a year ago now and uh, I didn't know if I was gonna get it I, I you know I'm, I love teaching but I, I was really nervous and uh, I put it in and I think I'm one of the four Canadian instructors and there's over like 65 instructors So I'm super excited about that I'm very honored um, so I'm going to be going to Knoxville, uh, the end of July, and I'm going to be teaching some uh, hand-manipulated lace techniques, which <laughs> means probably nothing <laughs> to you, but it's just, you know, playing with the threads, between your hands, making some lace structures, and kind of being exploratory with that, and yeah, so I have, I think, eight students signed up, and I'm excited. So, awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, so if people want to see your work or, or find out what you're up to, where can they find you?
1: Uh, I'm working on an artist website. It's not done yet. But um, mostly Instagram, mm-hmm. which is my underscore woven words. Um, I try to post a lot of videos of me making and using my hands and, and doing things. And, um, yeah, mostly there right now.
0: All right. So uh, is it underscore woven words?
1: Yeah, my underscore
0: okay. woven words. My underscore woven words. And we'll have a link um, to... Jessica's Instagram in the podcast for our listeners um, on the ICH blog. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh my God, thank you. It was
1: wonderful.
0: You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.